My name is Summer. And my name is Nicole. And we are financial advisors. This is the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast. We have worked with many widows during our careers. Although we are not widows, we see the need for solid financial education before and after losing a spouse. We do this by telling stories from widows and our own lives. Welcome back to the He's Gone, But the Money is Not podcast. We are excited to talk a little bit today. First, I want to just catch up. How are you doing, Nicole? What's been going on? <laughs> yeah, things are great. Just enjoying my toddler and all the havoc he gets into. Every day, it seems like he, he uh, finds a new drawer to get into and we constantly have to baby proof or toddler proof a new thing in our house. So <laughs> I wasn't very good about like doing it all up front. I just, as it goes and he gets into things and I like, Oh, I need to put this away or put a lock on this. That's yeah. Very understanding because I was just with family, my parents and my siblings, we all got together for, I guess a family reunion and we stayed near the beach and <laughs> Um, there were two three-year-olds, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and two babies on the trip. So there's lots of little kids running around screaming, having a great time. <laughs> and and yeah, they did they did get into a lot of stuff like the sand and the and I was just so impressed how much they don't care about getting sand everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got a sandbox a while ago for my two-year-old because he loves trucks and I was like oh I'll get him like a dump truck and a bulldozer and you can dig in the sand yeah big mistake sand all over our house yeah like I have this cordless vacuum and I've used it every day <laughs> vacuum of sand that he tracks into the house yes yeah they just are so carefree so sweet yeah it is and a problem but <laughs> yeah yeah no I had a great time visiting with my family though and I was telling Nicole earlier but we did something kind of unique this year. We gave TED Talks to our family. So not actual TED Talks, but you basically prepare a PowerPoint, but you don't have to. It's completely open-ended and optional. And you just get up and share whatever you want to talk about. So one of my siblings talked about how he thinks we should uh, have more appreciation for sports in our family. And he gave some examples and everyone was just laughing and it was pretty hilarious. And then uh, I gave a TED talk on mental health and some studies I'd been reading about recently. So very diverse, really fun, great way to connect with family. I definitely recommend it. And like I said, we just did it completely open-ended. You could say anything you want, basically. <laughs> so it was fun. That sounds great. It sounds like a good way to like share like things you're learning or your expertise, right? With your family. Yeah. It's also a good way to get vulnerable. We've had, we've been doing it actually, let's say we, this is our second time doing it. The first time we had people, a couple of my family members share some really personal things they've experienced. And so it's a great way to be vulnerable and share like, you know, on a deeper level with your family. So that was, that's been kind of cool, but also be very lighthearted. I would say most of them are pretty lighthearted. So, so anyway, that, that was fun. I would recommend it. Oh yeah. Sounds great. Maybe we'll try and get my, ask if my family will implement it. Cause I would love that. Yeah. It's cool to hear from everyone. Today we want to talk about how to choose a financial advisor or financial planner. And this can be kind of a touchy subject. So we don't want to harp on anyone too hard but Nicole and I 
have some opinions about what you should look for because we are financial advisors and we care about this. We want people to get the service and the help that they need and deserve when they hire a financial advisor. Yeah. And I think as we've shared a lot of other stories from other widows and talked about things, I think a big message of our podcast is you should get a financial advisor, right? A lot of widows have shared how helpful that's been for them. People that are our clients and who are not. And that's just helpful to have a partner um, once you've lost your spouse and making some financial decisions and having some expertise. Um, But I think it's a very difficult thing to find a financial advisor. You know, when I was going to college, I had a professor that I really respected. And when I told him I wanted to be a financial advisor, he said he'd help me get into any other career. Like, you know, he wanted me to do like investment banking or portfolio management. And the reason is because he said that he did not know any ethical financial advisors and that the business structure of a financial advisor was not ethical either. And it didn't promote a lot of honesty or expertise in the industry. And I thought that was really sad. And I wanted to make it my mission to be a good financial advisor because I can see how much people really need, you know, that expertise and someone in their corner. Absolutely. And we're seeing more and more financial advisors do financial planning. There's a big difference between financial planning and just managing someone's account. And I think that's something important to think about. So for example, uh, when I came and interviewed to work here at Rock House, I realized that they were doing financial planning. They were answering more uh, important questions for their clients. Like, when should, when can I retire? How much money do I need to have saved so that I can live well in retirement? What if I passed away? Would my life insurance be sufficient? Those are the types of questions that, that Rock House was answering for their clients and that a lot of really great financial advisors can answer for their clients. And managing the investments is just a part of the job. It's not their only purpose. And I would say like when I go back and look at the value that we've been able to add for clients, very rarely is it like, hey, we're doing awesome on your investments and we're beating all the benchmarks because investing, it's difficult actually to be a benchmark. You should be at the benchmark, but it's difficult to get a lot of outperformance because markets are efficient and this goes into a whole nother thing of and then you know you're always chasing returns and if you're chasing returns sometimes you can underperform and then there's risk there that you have low returns and um, it's kind of like the tortoise and the hare approach you could you should just kind of be the tortoise slow steady consistent performance and so we're not doing anything flashy with investments, but we are doing awesome things with tax planning, charitable planning, helping people like flesh out like what's priority and what they want to do with their money, helping them get to retirement. And so when I talk to clients, they're not telling me, oh, you've helped me make so much money this year on my investments. They're saying, you helped me give have peace of mind yeah. and confidence in this decision, or you saved me this much money on my taxes. And so, and those are much more financial planning questions than investment management. Absolutely. And we're seeing more robo-advisors. If people are familiar with that, if you're listening, (laughs) you can look them up. But they're doing a lot of the uh, investing for people who are using their service. So for example, you can go on and say, hey, I am retiring in 20 years. And they'll give you a suggested portfolio mix. Like, oh, you should do... 70% stocks, 30% bonds in that case. And here's a diversified portfolio to get into. 
And so that world is really becoming more and more automated. It doesn't take so much like human interaction to to get a good portfolio set up. But those robo-advisors, it's going to be a lot harder for them to do. It's a robot. It's, you know, AI. It's not going to, it's going to be harder for them to do the analysis on your personal situation as to what would be best for your retirement, for different tax strategies you could do, like a Roth conversion or how you give to charity. So there's just a, a very, I think, like Nicole said, our services are and if it's a good financial advisor, their services are focused on answering those types of questions. Yeah. And not to say that investment management is an important part of financial planning, because like, for example, I have a client who they keep most of their money invested somewhere else, kind of like a robo advisor. And then we just give them advice. And recently they decided to move all of their money to our investment management because it made our tax planning so much better and we could be way more efficient with it. And we could... And then they're starting to take money out of their accounts. And so we can structure their investments better about which, you know, account are you drawing out of first and which investments are you selling first to generate your retirement income. So there's a lot of like strategy with your investments. That's really important that a financial advisor should be paying attention to beyond just like, hey, we put your money in some stocks, but also, okay, how are we managing the taxes on your investments and and the retirement income or other income you might need? Anyway, I'd... I feel like we're getting a little more nitty gritty than I'd hope, but <laughs> let's start with a story, um, some stories. On yes. This. So t- I guess to get back to the topic of how do you find a financial planner? Where do you go? What do you look for? I want to share a story about a client who found us through a friend. Her name's Cammie, th- the client, not the friend. <laughs> so Cammie found us through a friend. She was looking for a fee-only advisor and we'll get into what that means in just a minute. But she's looking for a fee-only advisor who is giving financial advice in some specific areas. She had a business and she wanted some help uh, knowing the tax strategies regarding her business. And um, her husband had actually passed away. So she wanted some help um, with the unwind of the business, getting it all taken care of. And she had a portfolio manager at the time who was managing all of her assets. And they had a great relationship. They talked on the phone. He was really nice to her. But she realized that he wasn't really able to answer or maybe just not willing to answer and help her with some of the more planning questions like when can she retire? What's the situation with her business? What does she need to do to uh, get this all straightened out? And so she hired us. Um, She just was wanting to pay us an hourly rate. And so she came in and we sat down with her and we helped put together a plan for her and showed her a really holistic picture of her financial plan. And I think she was just so relieved and so happy to kind of see a big picture and not just have someone that she was calling on the phone to talk about, you know, how her money was doing in that account. It was really helpful for her to see, okay, this is how I'm doing. These are some steps I need to take and this is how I can improve. And so um, that was her goal though and and what she was looking for. And so fee only is a, a great word to start with when you're looking for a financial planner. Yeah. And then, um, Like, I think for her, too, it was also that as you go and meet with financial planners and decide, like, who to go with, it's um, what kind of conversations are you having? Are they trying to pitch you something like, hey, this is our track record 
or this is the types of investments we do, or here's an annuity, or are they having conversations with you about your goals? So like for her, that whole big picture and, you know, talking about her goals, the financial plan we created was, this is how you can reach those goals. Here's some different ideas for you. Um, whereas oftentimes I feel like investment managers lead more with, with called leading with product or leading with, you know, uh, an investment where they start with the investments, whereas we start with your goals first. And then, um, you know, your risk tolerance and what you're, um, what you're currently doing. And then we start creating a plan. And for pretty much all of our clients, we do the financial plan before we ever even talk about investing the money. Like we don't, roll your money into any accounts with us until we have built the financial plan. Yeah. So uh, good steps to take of, you know, what are they asking you? What are they trying to accomplish with you? Is it to sell you something or is it to really talk about what you want to do with your life and helping you accomplish that with your money? Great way to, to gauge whether or not it's a good fit um, because there are people, and I say this, but there are a lot of people who are masquerading sometimes as, oh, I'm a certified financial planner. Even if they have the CFP mark um, next to their name, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing financial planning. They could still just be doing investment management. So an interview is still necessary. Discussion is still necessary. Yeah. And I think the structure of the firm is a good indication of how people do it, which is confusing for the consumer if you're not in the industry to understand how firms are structured. But let me tell you this story. So we had a client come to us. Her name was Allison, and she had been widowed for several years. And she, for the first few years after her husband died, she was very lost. She, was very, she had very young children. She didn't know what to do. She was very much in survival mode. And um, she, her husband had been awesome about preparing. They had had a trust and a will and he had lots of life insurance. And so she was able to pay off the house. She was pretty secure in her current income with social security for the kids, plus the life insurance money with not having a house payment. And so she really just didn't think about the money and just put the rest of the life insurance money aside. And then an, a neighbor came to her and was, you know, Hey, I work for this insurance company and, um, you know, we can help you get into some things that will help you earn more. And she felt a lot of guilt that, you know, her husband had died for, you know, for her to have this money and it was just sitting there. And so she, um, and he was like the one person who was approaching her and he was offering her some annuities that had guarantees, like you can't lose money in these. And that helped her feel really good about moving forward with that. So she put her a lot of money into those annuities with him. And then she never really heard from him again. So that's a number one red flag, I guess, is <laughs> if your advisor doesn't meet with you regularly or if, you know, it's a question you should ask them, how often do you meet? And she annuities that she had bought were very complicated. She didn't really understand how they worked. And um and then she and then she didn't have him to guide her through any of that. So years later, she finally was feeling in you know, I need to get out of the survival mode. I need to understand my finances. She found us through a referral from her accountant. And we explained to her what the annuities were. You can't take annuities out till you're 59 and a half. She was in her 30s with young children. This money was supposed to pay for their college. She wanted to finish her own degree. Um, it was to help her, you know, continue to live while she raised her kids. And the money was locked up till 59 and a half. Oh my gosh. Like what a terrible, like 
situation to be in where you can't even access the money that you needed. Now, of course, she could. We helped her unwind the annuities. But, you know, that um, person who put her into those annuities did not fully understand her goals or her needs. And annuities can be a really high commission product. He basically was just trying to make a commission. And he put her into all these things that were not appropriate for her. And he did not ask the right questions. And that's just one thing that I guess to highlight, not to bash on people who work for insurance companies. Um, and oftentimes people can work for an insurance company that shows like life insurance, annuities, and they do investments too. But often, because there can be really good financial advisors at those companies too. But the structure does not really promote the right advice because they're often pushing you into their own products. So if it's an insurance company, they want you to buy their own products. There often be high commissions on a lot of those insurance things. And so you just have to be really careful about, um, you know, you should ask them, how do you get paid? And do you get paid on commission? And then especially if they're selling you something that has the same name as the company they work for. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And to kind of bring it back, I, I talked about fee only. And basically, a fee only financial advisor, they can only be paid from your account. They can't get paid by any outside commission, outside party. And so when you see that fee only, that is a good sign because it usually means, well, it always means that they're only getting paid directly from you nowhere else, no kickback, nothing like that. And then there's another one and they kind of, they have such similar names. I think they need to differentiate more, but it's called fee-based. So fee-based means it's, uh, you can receive fees from, or they can be paid via fees from your account, but they can also receive fees via commission or kickback. And so look out for that. They're, they mean different things. Yeah. And we just don't like the commission because it just incentivizes um, people to then recommend products that will give them a higher payout. Right. And now I got paid by commission at the beginning of my career. We went fee only a few years ago. And I always tried to keep that out. You know, I knew that was a conflict of interest, but it's just so much easier to go with a, an advisor whose structure promotes ethics. So then there's never any question. There's always going to be conflicts of interest when you're paying somebody, uh, you know, like it's like a dentist. The dentist gets paid more if they tell you you have cavities that need to be fixed. Right. <laughs> and so it's just really hard to get rid of like all those conflicts of interest. And a financial advisor gets paid more if you put more money with them. Um, it's just there's always going to be that conflict. But trying to eliminate as much as you can by getting rid of the commission is helpful. Right. Yeah, exactly. So when you're looking for an advisor, when you're talking to an advisor, let's say you were referred by a friend, they said, oh, I work with this person. They're great. Um, talk to them on the phone, get, get a feel for them. I wanted to give you some advice or recommendations, I should say, of what you should ask a financial advisor that you're considering hiring. And I think the first question should be, how do you get paid? Like Nicole said, and uh, what kind of service do you provide? What questions do you answer? What uh, what's the structure look like? Are are, are you doing financial planning? Uh, yeah, those kinds of questions. Yeah, like thing. I definitely think like how often do you meet with your clients is really important. Like how often will we meet? Because they should be meeting with you at least once a year, maybe more often, depending on how complex your situation is. They should meet with you several times to get set up um, with the financial plan and create that. Um, 
they should definitely do a financial plan for you. They shouldn't just take your money and invest it. Definitely, if like you're just getting started, maybe they won't build a full financial planning. Like for our younger clients, sometimes it's just, okay, here's some tips and tricks. You just need to get started saving and we'll meet once a year to make sure you're on track. Um, so it kind of depends on your situation too, I guess. But if you have life insurance money or a larger account you're investing, they should meet with you frequently. Yeah. And you can also ask like, who will I be in contact with? Is is who who can I call if I have a question or if I needed to take money out or if I wanted to change how I was invested? Who who should I talk to? And if they're like, oh, call this call center in this foreign country, then you can say, okay, if you're comfortable with that, then great. But if you're wanting like a local team, people that you know, they know you by name, you know them by name. If that's important to you, look into that. Um, and so ask about that. A big thing right now, a hot, hot word in the industry is fiduciary. Um, you know, you should ask your advisor if they're a fiduciary. I think that one's kind of tricky. Yeah, you definitely want somebody who's a fiduciary, but it's a lot of people can answer yes to that. A fiduciary means that they have, they're doing what's in your best interest instead of um, just being held to a suitability standard. Suitability standard is, well, I just have to show that this is an okay investment for you. But whereas fiduciary is, this is the best investment for you. But it's difficult to prove that and it's difficult for people to prove they're a fiduciary. And a lot of people sit, can say that they're a fiduciary. So it's definitely a hot topic. You can ask them that, but I wouldn't use that as like your end all. Yeah. And another thing, is, this isn't really a question, but just consider as you're talking to them, do you do you mesh well with this person? They're going to be a kind of an integral part in your finances, helping you, being your guide. Do you like their personality? Do you feel like they're a good fit for you and that you're comfortable around them? That's obviously really important. So mm -hmm. get a feel for that. Trust trust your gut and kind of how you feel the interaction goes. Yeah. And you know, this goes back to, again, how the industry is structured. One of the first firms I started working for, you know who they recruited heavily for, for their financial advisors was sales people. Um, like I worked with a guy who did solar cells. I worked with a guy who did uh, retail sales that all were, you know, approached by this company to switch their careers and become a financial advisor because selling is unfortunately, <laughs> uh, oftentimes half of what financial advising is. You kind of have to like sell somebody on your services. And I, I honestly, I feel like a lot of these people I worked with at the beginning of my career, they didn't really know that much about finances, but they were really good at selling you finance stuff. <laughs> and I would never, ever, ever refer any of my family members to them or have like any of my clients, like if they ask like, oh, should I work with any of your colleagues? I That's actually one of the reasons I changed to Rock House is because I wanted to work with colleagues that if I wasn't around, like going on maternity leave or if I died, that my clients would be well taken care of by my colleagues. Yeah, huge and super important. I think that sales culture, remember that people are going to put their best foot forward with you on the phone. They're going to really highlight the good things about their company. And that's just natural. Everyone's trying to put themselves in a positive light. But I think you don't just automatically trust what they're saying. You know, do some research here, uh, you know, get, get good 
get a good background and understanding of who this company is, who this advisor is, and what they're really going to provide for you. Yeah. And it's just, if you feel like you're being pitched, if this feels like a sales pitch, it probably is. Maybe you should walk away. We pride ourselves that we hire rock house nerds, (laughs) not salespeople. (laughs) And um, so I I would say, yeah, you want somebody managing your finances who's really nerdy about finances. Yes. Um, So if it feels salesy, that's probably a red flag. Yeah. And if they lead with product, like if they start immediately like talking about, oh, here's the type of annuity you could buy, or here's this mutual fund. Yeah. And if they, they say, suggest such, uh, oh, you have that money in a, in a, an account of yours, we would put it into this and this is what we would do before they've even sat down with you to understand kind of what you're looking to do in the future. Maybe you need that money set aside for a home or something. If they're already giving you suggestions because they want to kind of schmooze you, if you will, um, that's a red flag. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So as people get older, like 65, they get a lot of invites to like social security seminars or come learn about this, you know, great thing. Or there'll be like ads on the radio about where they really offer you some great like protection against the markets and stuff like that. Uh, I'd be really careful about those type of pitches. Um, They're pretty salesy and they're usually pitching annuities. Um, not that annuities are a bad thing. You should go back and listen to our annuity podcast. Um, but just that you got to be careful that you're getting the right type of annuity and that there could be other better options out there for you. Um, so yeah, on the finan- a financial planner who has you know all of the designations, who's monitored by different federal organizations, uh, can't say certain things. And so we're pretty restricted on things we say and ads and stuff. But somebody who doesn't have a lot of those designations, who maybe only sells annuities and only does insurance, they've they are way have way more options of what they can say. So oftentimes when you hear ads where they offer guarantees or they talk about all these great, you know, outcomes they can get for people, that's actually usually an insurance company because they're not restricted on what they can say. Right. So I would be really careful about ads or like I have clients sometimes that will call me and be like, oh, I heard about this thing. I got this email. And again, if people are paying for these nice ads and they're promising a lot of great things. One, they're not usually monitored very much and they have marketing budget to do a lot of that stuff, which means that they're probably making money off commission. (laughs) So yeah, I feel like word of mouth is a better way to find an advisor or go do your own search. Like um, NAPFA supports fee-only advisors. You can use their website, napfa.org, and we'll put it in the show notes. Um, The fee-only network, you can search for a fee-only advisor in your area on that and on NAPFA. And then, um, yeah, like I said, your accountant, your attorney, your neighbors, your family and friends, they might have some ideas for you as well. Yeah, I, I think we forgot to mention too, I mentioned the CFP marks earlier. That's another important thing. I think generally speaking, you want a financial planner who holds the CFP designation. It basically means that they went to receive further training in financial planning to get really good holistic uh, training in six areas of finance that can really help you like estate planning and tax and investments and that they're well-rounded in those areas. I think it's a pretty much a staple at this point in the industry. If they don't have those, they better have something good to make up for it. Is what I would say. So beware of that. Look out for that. I do really like that the financial industry is becoming a little more professional, and that is the CFP is a sign of that. More people have a CFP, and which means also they 
do they learn every year they go to conferences and they have to stay up to date on things which is also very important tax laws are always changing there's yeah. new investment strategies yeah they have they a continuing education requirement so they have to keep keep up their knowledge these yeah new laws changed for example this year the amount of money you put in your retirement account changed uh, from last year they came out with some new legislation in congress that has made big changes to some education funding and uh, cfps they have to stay up to date with those types of things they go to conferences and get that training so that's a good benefit and something to look out for yeah so i think it's pretty i'm sorry for all of our audience members who are looking for a financial advisor because i don't think it's an easy task but i just think it's good to interview a few people and and I think ultimately, trust your gut. <laughs> how do they make? How do they feel? And are you excited to work with them? Is that a relate long term relationship you want to have? Yeah, I think it's kind of similar to looking for a doctor, and sometimes that can be an overwhelming task. This is someone you're going to see regularly. They're going to be giving you medical recommendations, and we're kind of like doctors for your financial life or giving you recommendations or giving you take home uh, things to do and try. And so you need to just kind of look at it that way of, do I trust this person? Am I comfortable with them? And it may take some searching, but uh, we feel confident there are a lot of great advisors out there that can really give you good advice. So uh, don't feel discouraged. <laughs> and one of the reasons we produce this podcast is we want to help people get to know us a little bit because it can be so difficult until you actually like start working with an advisor to really know if they're a good fit, and then also if they're a good advisor, it's so hard for us to show people our value up front. And so the podcast was an answer for us to show people like, hey, this is what we can do for you. So, you know, this is one way that people can get to know us, decide if they want to work with us, or we hope that people take tips away to know what to do when to ask when they go find another advisor. We can work with people all over the country virtually. But we also know some people like to work with people in you know, an advisor in person too. Yeah. So yeah, and we're based and located in in Utah. So if that's not something that works for you, then that is fine. But you can always look into working with us and just visit our website to learn a little bit more. And there's like a contact us button you can use. So okay. <laughs> all right, Summer. Well, I think we have uh, spent a lot of time talking about how to find a financial advisor. It's a it's a hard topic to really put succinctly and help people understand how we get paid and how our structure is but hopefully this is helpful and give people some ideas today yeah thanks for listening thank you for listening to our podcast if you want to know more about us and what we do visit our website rockhousefinancial.com Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Rockhouse Financial is an SEC registered investment advisor and the opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the opinions of Rockhouse Financial or any other sponsors of the podcast. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.